Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. So last week we talked about how you're made in God's image. We talked about how God created you on purpose with intention, that you have so much value. And there's this part of being made in God's image, and he chose something. That before this, before he chose this, the entire universe, it was only previously his. And it's something that is so powerful. And it has the potential to unlock the most true, loving forms of relationships. But it also has the potential to unleash complete chaos in our world. Complete chaos. But at the same time, it's the only way to have a true love relationship with the one who created us. And with the one who saved us. I want to show you that that greatest gift can also be our greatest downfall. But it was the only way for us to have a true relationship with our Creator and our Savior. So tonight we're in Genesis chapter 3. You can follow along in the Bible on the, in the sky back here. Uh, just some context, we're in the Garden of Eden, and in this part of the story, Adam and Eve have a perfect relationship with God. He said, you can do whatever you want in this garden, eat wherever you want, do like, uh, like till the land, do these things. There's one thing I'm asking you not to do. There's one thing. Don't eat from this one single tree in the middle of the garden. Just don't do it. And then the rest of this, all yours. All yours. You're here to rule this. Do it. So, so we're picking up here, and, and it's inferred in this part of the story that the serpent is the devil. It doesn't quite, it's not very clear with that, but I know not everybody knows all the Bible stories, so I wanted to be clear on that. So we're going to start in chapter 3. This is verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals, and the Lord God had made And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He already knows, but he's just playing tricks. He's saying, did he say you can't eat from any tree? From any of them? Just to kind of like see where she's at. He's starting his tricks early. And the one says to the serpent, hey, we may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you know, you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you'll die. You can kind of hear some like teenage sassiness in that, like whatever, whatever. You will not certainly die, he said back to her. He said, for, for God knows when you eat that, you'll be like him. You'll know the difference between good and bad. He's jealous of you. He's jealous of you. You're going to be just like him. In fact, you're going to be better than him. Can you believe that? And she starts to change her mind. And she starts to change her mind, and, and, and pay attention to this, because we're going to talk about this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, was pleasing to the eye, and was also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was there with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, not in a good way. For the first time, they had the feeling of shame. It said earlier that they were running around naked and there was no shame. And now it says all of a sudden they're looking at each other scurrying into the trees to figure out how to clothe themselves. They're ashamed of who they are all of a sudden. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to them and the man and said, where are you? See, he's not, God's not looking for where they're at. He's not looking for their location. It's as if God's looking straight at him going, where are you? What, like, why did you leave my side? Where, I noticed you were gone. Where are you? 
Have you, have you done this thing? And, and it asked, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, wait a second, who told you that? Where are you getting these ideas? Why are you all of a sudden ashamed? Have you done the one thing that I told you not to do? He didn't say, oh, did that, did that tricky little snake get you? No, he said, did you choose to do what I told you not to do? Did you choose that? Man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. What a wimp way out, right? Way to throw your girl under the bus, man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, don't wanna, I, I wouldn't want to be a part of that conversation when they were walking home, right? <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what, what is it you've done? And she like fesses up right away. She owns it. She goes, serpent tricked me. And I did it. I ate it. I ate it. And we're going to skip to verse 21. And it goes on. There's more to read there. You can go back to it. But in verse 21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. He's saying some sort of leather or some sort of pelt or something like that. But this was right before they were getting cast out because they had chosen to leave God in that moment. And now everything has changed. But even in this moment of them leaving it, even in this moment of their fallenness, he chose to clothe them from their shame. I want you to remember that. We're going to pray and then we're going to dig into this stuff. God, thank you for the opportunity to learn from Scripture. Thank you for what you teach us. Your word um, is alive. And it means a lot to us today in our everyday life. And I pray for hearts in here that feel shame. That feel like they're so ashamed that they can't even step foot in here. That they were even taking a risk walking in here. Lord, that's not true. God, you cover our shame. Help us choose you. Help us move towards you. Help us stay beside you in life. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Yeah. yeah, so the greatest gift that we could ever receive was also possibly our greatest downfall. Something called free will. It's a big idea. But it's this opportunity for you to choose God or not. It's the ability God gave you in his image to choose him as he chose you. Now, disclaimer, I'm going to try to use some metaphors tonight, and they are stupid. But at the same time, <laughs> I, think we can, I think we can learn. I think it'll teach us something about true love. I think it'll teach us something about how God wants to relate to us and about the fall and about redemption. So this is, this is totally stupid. So this is killing you guys. What was that? Just kidding. Gotcha. Okay, uh, first, first up. So imagine, snakey song, that's a snake, <laughs> that's a snakey snake. Imagine a puppet, you never saw this coming, huh? Okay, imagine a puppet, imagine I'm a puppeteer, imagine this is a dream come true. We've been waiting for this day a long time, huh? yeah, that's something I've wanted to do on the weekends in my free time. Well, you are pretty good at it, I know you practiced a lot when you were a kid. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of friends. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Man, you're looking pretty good tonight. I like your haircut. That beard is starting to look pretty mountainous. I like it. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. You know what? Come to think of it, you're my best friend. Really? That's really awesome. <laughs> I love you, man. Cool. Cool? That's all you have to say? After all we've been through, you stupid. 
flipping para. Hey, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right. So here's the deal. Did that puppet really love me? No. No, I would have to, that's illogical. That's insane to think that puppet loved me. The person who put the words in the puppet's mouth said, I love you. That's not love. That's not true love. There's no way that's true love. That is, that is not a real relationship. That is playing pretend. Do you see that? If that's just a puppet, that's just me playing pretend, like I, like I love myself. But, but here's the other flip of the coin. Now, what about a real friend? A real friend and I, like my friend Ransom. <clears throat> yeah, welcome Ransom to the stage. Welcome Ransom. Wow. Hey, this, this is a special night for us. Your uh, mustache screams nothing but power moves from coast to coast. You, uh, you could get in anywhere for free, I'm guessing. Yeah, I just yeah. told him I'm a cop. Got yeah. the cop stash going Yeah, on. that's very good. Go. It comes with authority. Authority, that's very good. Well, anyways, I really appreciate uh, you and, and what you do for me. That's, that's awesome. We really Thanks, man. love working together. Yeah, it's yeah. been kind of weird, you know, like not getting to play and see all the fronts of these guys' yeah. faces, but it's been Did really your, awesome. Here's a question. Did yeah. your mustache have anything to do with that? Yes. Okay. No. They so told me I, we were like, let's take him off the stage for a week. Yeah, Okay. until he cuts it. But what they don't know is I'm refusing to cut it. Yeah, but actually so. we are pro-mustache. Right. We're pro-mustache, exactly. so that's fine. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. so, but what I was going to say is it's been really cool yeah. to get to see you guys do your thing. Usually I'm stuck back there, you know, watching yeah. the screen. It's been cool to get yeah. to... So you do your thing, you know? Yeah, so, I appreciate you. By the way, like your, like your get-up. Thanks. It's wow. looking really nice. If yeah. I would have worn my Vans. Yeah. And how about this, this beard? Anyone? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. It's a, it's, a, it's a permanent neck scarf for the fall. It's really good. It's built it's really in. Good. So anyways, yeah, man. do you have anything you want to say to me? Yeah, dude. So I just want to tell you you're doing a great job up here, and I appreciate you, and I love you, man. Love you. You love me? Yeah, dude. Absolutely. You, you chose to love me? Absolutely, man. Hey, that's such a convenient time that you came up here to chose and choose and say that you love me while I'm teaching on a topic that really has to do with this. This is really convenient. It's called the Holy Spirit, dude. Yeah, very good. Ladies and gentlemen, Ransom. Wow, wow, okay. Wow, can you believe it? Now, is that a true relationship or what? Yeah. But here's why. Here's why. He chose to love me. I chose to love I chose his friendship. He chose my friendship. I didn't force him to be my friend. There was this true relationship there. Do you see that? So, so forced love isn't love. That's just a game of pretend. That's not true love. But, but choosing love, choosing each other is true love. That is true love. Because both parties chose to be with each other. It's the same difference between a puppet and a person as it is pretend love and true love. Now, I want to draw your attention to this locker. I want to draw your attention to this. What I'm going to do is I want to talk about God greatly desires true love, a true love relationship with you. He really does. And in this process of creating you in his image, he had this opportunity to make this choice. And this choice was whether or not to give you the ability to make choices. That choice was the, a choice on whether or not you should have free will on whether or not you should be able to choose. And in his wisdom, he knew that if he opened that door, saying he allowed free will to happen, this motion signifies allowing free will to happen. Opening that, he releases that. You and I, 
his children will no longer be where that puppet is, that pretend love that's locked away. No. If he opens that door and we are inside of this, if we're inside this locker and he opens that door, we can come be with him. Do you see how that's a true love relationship? That's a true relationship because we are by his side. We're not in a locker being told that we love someone. We would come out and choose that love. Does that make sense? This free will and what this means. But here's the deal. Inside that locker also is a monster. He has to make this decision, okay, do I love them so much that I'm willing to let out this monster? And that monster is free will. It's the same gift, but it could also be our greatest downfall. You see, think of it this way. If you have the freedom to choose God, you also have the freedom to not choose God. If you have the freedom to choose to obey God, you also have the freedom to choose to disobey God. If you have the freedom to choose to not hurt somebody, you also have the freedom to choose to hurt somebody. Do you see that? If God opens the door and allows free will into the world, he's not only creating the opportunity for a true relationship, like Ransom and I have, not the puppet, but he's also releasing the monster of the opportunity for humans to do evil in the world. So it's like God was in this moment and he decided, okay, and this is a weak metaphor. This is like just barely scratching the surface of what all this means theologically. I'm just trying to show us this moment where he goes, okay, I know if I give them free will, I get my friend. I really get my friend. But I also know if I open that door, I release a monster out into the world because they can also not choose me and they can choose to burn it down. But he loves you so much and he loves me so much that he said, you know what? That monster's worth it. Because in the end, I'll win. And in the end, I get to be with them. It's not this puppet that he's willing to leave in the bottom drawer. He's saying, I'm going to open that. And I'm going to risk it all. Do you see that? Do you see that? So he opens this door. And he takes this risk. Sorry there's not anything in there. How many of you were like, not satisfied in that moment? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just a metaphor, people. Lay off. And so... And so we get, at, we get to come out of this moment and be with God, but we also have the opportunity to leave that moment and not be with God. And that creates the chaos and some of the evil that happens in this world. It's human sin that's the monster. And opening that door of free will also opens the door to that. And, and listen, just as God wants your free will, Satan also wants to use your free will. Just like he did with Eve back in the garden, he goes, hey, what do you think of this? He isn't going to make you do anything. That serpent didn't make Adam and Eve do anything. All he did was give them the thoughts. That's called temptation, by the way. All he did was tempt them to leave the relationship with God. We see that in the story we read. So we don't have to look long to realize that this monster's out and it's alive. You, you watch the news for an hour and you see that the world is a fallen place. We're familiar with this. Let's be honest tonight. We know the feeling of falling. We might not know the feeling of this abstract big idea of sin in the world. We might not be able to, but oh, how all of us know the feeling of falling. We know that feeling in our gut. We know that process and we know what comes with it. So back in Genesis, in the beginning of chapter one, there's this paragraph that I told you to pay attention to, and it's the thought process of falling. It's the thought process of falling. And the first one goes like this. Eve had this, this thought when Satan started messing with her. And the thought was this. Well, I mean, I guess it's good for eating. Girls got to eat, right? 
<laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? You based your decision on the downfall of all humankind for the rest of history until heaven returns on, I could eat it, <laughs> like whatever, you know? A girl's got to eat, lay off me, I'm starving, you know? <laughs> that was for my old people, some Chris Farley uh, opportunities there. But this came from, a, this came from the, meta, the, the thought process of whatever. Man, you know what? Actually, on second thought, whatever. Whatever. I'm just saying, you know what? That's just what, I, that's what boys do. Boys will be boys. <laughs> whatever. You know? I'm, I, yo, I'm living my best life. I'm living my best life, dude. You know, like whatever. Whatever, man. Whatever. Have any of you sacrificed your relationship with God for that whatever mentality? Have you done that? Sure, so have I. The next thought process of the fall, the second thought of falling is, she has this next thought that says, I saw that it was pleasing to the eye. This instant gratification. Instant gratification. Okay, so you're at McDonald's, right? And you're like, I know none of this is good for me. I just got to fill the tank and I got five bucks. <laughs> like, that's, that's the only reason I'm here. And you're trying to, like, pick out and they're like, well, are you ready to order? And you're like, I need you to be quiet because I can't pay attention to all these screens that are moving all over the place. And I can't figure out how to order. I just want to, can I have a cheese? I, I don't, and then the screen moves again and you go, I have no idea what I want. I have no idea what I want. Just pick something. And then something flashes in your eyes. And then you see it. It's the McRib. And it comes flying at you. And you go, I want 10 of those. <laughs> no, no, no concern of what you'll feel like later. There's something about McDonald's. If you don't eat that thing in two minutes, it tastes like you licked a brake pad. I have no idea what happens, but you like got to like scrape your tongue off from McDonald's waste. I don't know what it is. But it's this idea of instant gratification. Instant gratification. Well, it feels good now, but I'm not really thinking about how it will affect me later. I mean, it's good for eating up. Uh, it looks good. And then the third thought of this falling is that she desired wisdom. As if to say, I want this thing for my personal gain. I got to look out for me, forget everybody else. Okay, so you're in math class. You get the random seating chart and you figure out that you're sitting by the math elite. You figure out that you're sitting by the math nerd and you're sitting there going, hey, oh. Oh, uh, hey, I like your shoes anyways. Uh, man, do you have like the answer to number 10? Do you have that? What's the answer? Do you have that? Like I've been trying so hard. And the mathlete looks over and it's like a football play and a cat. I've been trying so hard on this one. I can't get it. I can't get it. What did you get? It's 13? Yeah, all right. That's what I thought. <laughs> that's right. No regard for what that kid gets. No regard for how that kid feels that you just copied his work. Everything that he loves, that you just scrape it off like it's worth a cent to change. But it's this selfish ambition. It's this selfish gain that you want. Baby, it's me on top. Number one. Number one, I got to look out for me. Have you been there? Have you sacrificed your relationship with God for the sake of selfish gain? Have you sacrificed your relationship with God for instant gratification? Do you see where I'm going with this? The next step of falling, check this out. Eve hands Adam the apple. Now, first of all, Adam should have spoke up because he's supposed to be responsible in this situation. And he's guilty by association. And he knew that they weren't supposed to be there anyways. So he's super guilty as well. And she hands him the apple and he eats it too. How many of you have been invited to do awful things? 
Think about that for a second. How many of you have been invited? Oh, dude, you got to be there Friday night at my house. <laughs> I'll, I'll share the answer to number 10 with you, man. <laughs> How many of you have been invited to do awful things with people? And they know they're awful. They aren't stupid. They aren't stupid, but here's the deal. Just like Eve, people that know that they're falling want to not go down alone. So they're going to grab you and try to bring, them, bring you with them. People who are falling don't want to go down alone. Dude, just come over. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Have you ever been invited to do awful things? That's exactly why. The final stage of this falling process, what immediately changed, it was not this reaction of, oh, this is what sin feels like. I am completely aware of this situation, and I need to go take care of the fact that I am naked now. <laughs> you know, like the, no, it was this feeling of shame. And this was a foreign feeling to them. And all of a sudden, everything changed in a moment. Everything changed in a moment. And so here's this reaction to falling. And we still do this all the time today, still. We run and we hide. We lie. We hide behind things. We put up fake, fake faces on social media. Ah, everything's fine. Yeah, I'm a good kid, whatever. We lie. We lie to our parents. Lie to our parents. You disobey them, you lie. It's okay, yeah, you'll get away with it once in a while. You'll get, maybe you will get away with it, maybe you won't. But here's the deal, you just dumped a bucket of shame on your head. A bucket of shame on your head in that moment. So here we are, we're at the bottom of the fall, we're at ground zero. We're at ground zero, you're stuck, this is your default state, this has happened to all of us in this room. And if it hasn't, someone's lying. We're stuck in this. We're hiding. We're ashamed. We're afraid. So what's going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? Lean in, because here's the truth. You can't. You can't. You can't fix this. But here's the most beautiful part about our creator God, is that he will come running after you. And he will come looking for you, just like he came looking for Adam and Eve after they fell. And he's not like, trying to find you like your location. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's going on. He's coming to you saying, where are you? Here's what this is saying. He notices when you're gone. That's love. That's a true relationship. He misses you when you're gone. So much so, he's going to come find you and ask you, where are you? He notices when you run away. See, so I want you to remember that last piece of scripture we read where it says that, that God gave them this piece of leather or this piece of hide or whatever it was to cover up their shame. And, that, and it doesn't say this overtly in scripture, but, it, but at the same time, you can't help but think, man, something innocent had to die. I think that's like the first time that I heard that something had to die for the sake of other people. And listen, someone had to die, someone had to surrender their life to cover your shame. Someone had to give their life to cover your shame. And the job description seemed impossible. It wasn't someone that shoes could be filled by this helpless, shameful human being. It had to be someone who never knew shame in order to cover all the shame. And the possible lamb that had to be slain in that garden, for example, for Adam and Eve, is a great foreshadowing to the lamb of God who is slain for the sake of your shame, for the sake of my shame to take it away. And God in all his wisdom, in all his wisdom, created a rescue plan. He said, I'm going to open another door. 
And behind this door is someone whose name is <laughs> Just kidding. I couldn't wait to do that. I couldn't wait to do that. I couldn't wait to do that. That's like two years old, and whenever I see that, I still lose my mind. You, re you remember this moment. No, listen. No, so God, he sends Jesus. He sends Jesus as this perfect image of man, this perfect image of God, right? And he's coming to take away your shame and take away the fact that you've fallen. And he's coming to restore this true love relationship to where you can leave this locker and be back with God. You can be beside him. He's asking, where are you? I'm right here. I'm right here. Jesus makes that happen by choosing Jesus to take away your shame and realizing he loves you and chose you. Your gift of free will is now focused on its purpose, on its true purpose. And that purpose is for a true love choice to choose God as he chooses and seeks you as well. Not pretend love, but true love. A true relationship, a true friendship. It's restored through Jesus covering your sin and shame. Check this out. In Psalms chapter 34, this is a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces aren't covered with shame. And I was like reading this before I came out, and I have to read you some other parts of this. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And the poor man that called, who feels like a poor man tonight? The poor man or woman that called, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. And then in Romans chapter 10, there's this beautiful truth, this astounding truth. And it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Beautiful, beautiful. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He laid it all on the line for this genuine, true love relationship. For you to have this ability to choose him. And as long as you got breath in your lungs, you still have this opportunity to choose. You still have this opportunity, but not by your own power. Only by the power of Jesus Christ. Only by the saving power of Jesus Christ that takes away your shame. Could it be? That God loved you and the world so much that he sent his only son to die for your sin and shame. The whole world, you and I, is it possible? Yes, praise the Lord. I come bearing good news tonight. Yes, yes. So the story doesn't end with you trying to clean up your act. With you trying to make some makeshift cover for your shame. It doesn't end like that. It begins. It begins in the moment when you turn to Jesus. You come as you are. You lay down your shame. You lay down these burdens at Jesus' feet and say, take it away. Take it away. And you choose to be with God who has chosen to be with you. God, thank you so much for choosing us. Thank you so much for the opportunity to choose you. And God, we are sinful humans that are, that are bent by temptation, that are bent by sin. And we have this sinful nature that has us running the opposite direction. But God, that's the opposite of what you want. You're saying, come to me. 
Come be here with me. I don't care how many times you've fallen. I don't care how many times. I will help you get back up. I am the only way that you can get back up. Come back to this relationship with me. I love you and I, tr- I, I want you so bad that I'm willing to risk it all. I'm willing to let bad things happen in the world for the sake that you might choose me and that we can have a true relationship together. That is an incredible truth, God. And I pray for the hearts in here tonight that are struggling with this decision, that are just struggling with the thought that a God of the universe who loves so much could possibly love love them. God, it is true. And I pray that in their heart that they feel that tonight, God. I know there's someone in this room that's struggling with that decision right now. And God, it could be the person sitting next to us. It could be the person standing behind us. Whatever it is, God, I pray for that person. You're calling out to their heart and their heart feels it. And I pray that in this moment that they're obedient, that they say, I don't want to be a puppet in a locker. I don't want to be pretend love. I don't want to be pretend. I want a true relationship with you where I choose you after you have chosen me. You chose to create me in your image. You love me and I know it. I pray for them. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I want everyone to just close their eyes and just shut your mouth. Um, if friends or talking or whatever. Everybody close your eyes. I want to create this opportunity for God's spirit to move in your life. What I want you to do is I want you to take both your hands and put them at your side. And I want you to clench your fists and start clenching them really hard. That's the shame that you're holding on to. That's the shame in your life that you're holding on to. Think of the things that you are ashamed of. Think hard. Think of the reasons why you wouldn't be around people you love. Think of the reasons why you wouldn't show up here at Element. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. In these moments, you don't know if someone beside you is going through the worst hell on earth in their life. Keep your eyes closed. Clench your fists. Do you feel that stress? That is the physical manifestation of your shame. Do you feel that? I want you to know that there's a man who claimed to be God said that he would be crucified and that he would rise three days later. A man who called his own death and resurrection and it happened. You know how I know? They don't have a body to prove otherwise. The tomb was empty and he said he came to take away your shame and your guilt. Do you feel that pressure? Squeeze harder. Jesus wants to take your shame and wants to make you new. And like in that moment in that baptism tonight, there was a moment in that young lady's heart where she said, I need Jesus. And the showing of that faith in baptism is saying, I'm going to follow through. I believe him. I believe that he left the grave. Feel that stress in your hands. On the count of three, I want you to open your hands as if you're dropping 100-pound weights on the ground. And keep your eyes closed and don't you say a word. One, two, three. There is a God who loves you so much that he wants to take away your shame. And he wants you to walk free and lightly, not like you're carrying 100-pound weights anymore. 
And it's this moment where you decide, okay, I'm not getting myself out of this fallen moment and this fallen state. I need Jesus. And I hope you feel that relief of that weight being gone. And I hope God's Spirit's showing you a truth in this somehow. And I want you to be thinking about this as you go to your groups tonight. And if you need to talk to someone tonight about your shame and confess that and just get it, there is no one you should trust more than these adult leaders. They leave their families and loved ones behind to come here to love you. The people they love the most on this planet, they leave them to come be with you. And you can trust them. And if you need to let go of some weight tonight by telling someone your shame, experience that freedom, I challenge you. And on the other side of that is a God who loves you and will help you no matter how many times you fall. He loves you and he's asking, where are you? I want you by me and I miss you when you're gone. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.